الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا ايتها النفس المطمئنه ارجعي الى ربك راضيه مرضيه فادخلي في عبادي وادخلي جنتي صدق الله العظيم او سسبكتد علماء الكرام برادرز اند ايلدرز ذا بيربس اوف اس جاذرين از ميرلي to refresh our iman to try and stir the spirit of iman that allah taala has blessed in our hearts this is purely the grace and the mercy and the gift of allah taala that out of his grace and mercy he has blessed us with this greatest wealth of iman but sometimes some things which are very easily acquired it is not appreciated the way it should be so in order to keep refreshing this iman to keep reminding ourselves why we are here where we are headed to what is our object and purpose in life for this reminder for this refreshing of this iman this is what this, these gatherings are all about so it is not necessary that we will and we should be listening to something new every time but the talab and the desire of the heart should be that we start becoming true believers in every sense of the word and that we become the true servants of allah taala fulfilling every aspect of deen whether it is our ibadat in terms of our salah that our five times salah we are performing punctually because this is the most fundamental obligation on a mu'min after iman this is the very first thing that becomes obligatory upon him and the first thing that he will be questioned about on the day of qiyamah many a times we become very desirous of hearing things which are very deep very fascinating things and the discussion for example of salah we might regard it as something well we've heard this 100 times but we might have heard it a thousand times the issue is to what extent is salah alive within us in our lives are we firstly performing the five times salah because if a person is not performing the five times salah daily this is already a major disaster in the hadith sharif nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam says that the one who manfaatat hu salatun the person who one salah he misses one fakanna wutira ahluhu wa maluhu it is as if all his belongings all his family and all his belongings have all been destroyed in one go if a person missed some salah so one day he missed the salah did he ever sit and think ponder that what just has just happened it is like as if i was just given the news now allah taala protect us and save us that everybody in your family has been wiped out and everything that you owned also has been destroyed what will go through a person at that time 
So that sense of loss on material things that we feel, have we felt some fraction of that sense of loss on the missing of one salah? Whereas Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa salah is such an important aspect in the life of a mu'min that Nabi sallallahu practically demonstrated this. That salah will never become forgiven for a person because Allah ta'ala has made it easy for him to perform it in any condition. He is fit and well, he will perform it properly in the proper manner, standing. He is ill, he can't stand, he'll sit down. If he is not even able to sit down and perform that salah, he is so sick. While lying down with the indications of the head, he'll perform the salah. And that too will be valid and acceptable in the court of Allah Taala, because he is now ill in that condition. This is a salah Allah wants from him. And at that time for a person to feel that my salah is perhaps not worth anything, that too is incorrect. Allah Ta'ala in that condition wants just that much from him. That even in that condition while laying down with the indications of his head, but he is performing the salah. The only time that that salah becomes waived, the person is not obliged to perform that salah now. The case of males obviously, that... He becomes totally unconscious. And for how long? For more than 24 hours, the sixth salah, the time of the sixth salah has passed. Now those five salah in between, and that sixth salah, that will be waived. If after three salahs he became conscious, he'll have to make qaza This is how important salah is. Nabi Wasallam is in his last moments of life. And he loses consciousness. And after gaining consciousness, the first question is, that has the salah been performed? It was Isha salah. He says, no, they are waiting for you. The Beast says, make me, take a, help me to, to, to take a ghusl, take a bath, because he had just become unconscious. The exertion was too much, because he was so weak. And by the time he's taken ghusl, he falls unconscious again. Who is the person we're talking about, the personality we are talking about, that personality who is greater than all the Anbiya Ali Muslim all the angels of Allah Ta'ala Ba'adas Khuda After Allah Ta'ala it is his rank and maqam. And he is saying that Salah hasn't yet been performed, he falls unconscious a second time. His eyes open, he regains consciousness. First question Has the Salah been already performed? Say no, they're waiting for you. Again, Nabi Islam takes ghusl. Again, he falls unconscious. Then the third time he says, Well, okay, Muru Aba Bakrin Falyusalli bin Nas. Now I won't be able to make it to the masjid. All this while was the effort to make it to the masjid. And nowadays, what is our condition? That the slightest thing will become an obstacle for us. What is the slightest thing in terms of some slight headache? Allah forbid even our entertainment becomes obstacles for us. Our all kinds of futile things become obstacles from fulfilling that salah with jama'ah. And yet Nabi Wasallam falls unconscious two times. That too still did not become a barrier for him. After the third time that he lost consciousness, now he says now it's not going to be possible and now the time is also getting very late. The sahaba are waiting. 
Let Abu Bakr now perform the salah. Let him become the imam. And let the salah be performed behind him. And then Nabi Wasallam still performed Rasulullah again and performed his salah in his room with somebody following him. Now this aspect of salah coming alive within us. We have heard salah, but what is the quality of our salah? If we are performing it five times a day, what is the quality of it? And how much of khushu and khudu is there in that yat yat salah? Concentration, devotion, how much is the heart in it? Then myself first and foremost within us, to try and stir this iman within us, to refresh this iman, that we start once again pondering, reflecting, where are we heading to, why are we here to start off with, what is our object of life? Is it just to continue with the hustle and bustle of dunya, and then one day the light will just switch off, be gone? No, at the time when the light will switch off, then it will be the real life will start. When the life of this world will finish off, then the real life and the eternal life of Akhirat will commence. And then at that time, it's a person and his own amal. Then nobody will be able to come to help anybody else. And at that time, it is what a person has done in this dunya in terms of making the Akhirat. He is the one who will pass. And if he got deceived with all the glitter and glamour of dunya, like that couplet of Zalanti, but nevertheless, for the, there's a lot of ibrat in it. Harun Rashid was a very great king. The kingdom that he had was such, one day he saw a cloud passing. He was sitting in his balcony and there was a cloud in the distance moving. So now the cloud moves and sometimes it goes and rains somewhere far away. So Harun Rashid is addressing the cloud and he's saying, you can go and rain wherever you wish. You'll still be reigning in my kingdom. That's how vast his kingdom was that it stretched to a very large area. And he was a powerful king, pious person also. In any case, he was also obviously a king, so he was living the life of a king. His 16-year-old son, 16-year-old son, Allah had blessed his heart with the consciousness of Allah Taala, and he had tasted something different. And therefore he was totally averse to enjoying all this, what the king was now living up with. The ni'mat Allah Taala blesses somebody, that is in a halal way, which is within the limits of Shariat, it's permissible for him. But those who have a different rank, a very, very high level, and they've tasted something very different, like Ibrahim bin Adam, rahmatullahi he gave up his whole kingdom to live in the wilderness. So likewise, this youngster, his heart was filled with something else, with that love of Allah Ta'ala, which made all the things of dunya turn into insignificance for him. It became tasteless for him. So in any case, one day he came into the court of the king. The king is busy with his, all his courtiers. The whole place is full with all the nobles. Everybody is in this smart attire. And here comes this young boy who is the prince. But he is dressed in two very, very simple sheets. Coarse sheets. So some of the ministers now began looking at this and they're saying, this is this, how this youngster disgraces the king. That now he comes and behaves in this manner. And he is dressed in this way. 
he should have been dressed in a smart way. If the king can try and make him understand, maybe he will come right. So now this message started going around, that people are talking like this. Eventually this reached the ears of the king also, Harun Rashid. So he called his son. He said, look, you are becoming a source of embarrassment for me. People are all looking at you and saying, what is wrong with this fellow? That he is just totally disinterested in all the aspects of the kingdom. He has to run the, he has to take the place of the king tomorrow. And he's totally disinterested. And this is how he's continuing his life. So when Harun Rashid said this to his son, so his son said that since you are also now becoming embarrassed with my presence, now I've decided that I rather go and worship Allah Ta'ala away. I've decided to leave the kingdom. But before he did that, there was one bird that was perched on a tree. Allah Ta'ala sometimes allows certain supernatural things to happen at the hands of some pious servants. This is no kamal, this is no matter of great achievement. If it happens, it happens with the will of Allah Ta'ala. It's not something to aspire for. It's not something to make as a criteria to take a lesson from somebody. That if the person has some kind of supernatural abilities, then he is worthy of being followed. That's not the basis for anything. In any case, he looked at that bird and he says, with the permission of Allah Ta'ala, come and perch on my shoulder. And he goes back. Everybody is observing this. Now he says to the king, now the time has come for me to leave. I'm going. And he takes nothing. But just as he's leaving, his mother comes with one ring. And he took along his Quran Sharif. One ring that perhaps sometime, somewhere he'll have some need, he'll sell it, he'll make use of it. So in any case, he takes this and he leaves. He goes away to some other land and to- to- totally concealing his identity. Nobody knows who is this person, where he came from, what is all his background all about. And he comes and he, just in that simple garments of some days, he also joins some people who are sitting on the roadside looking for work. People who are looking for work for the day, they're sitting on the roadside, he joined them. Somebody came that I'm looking for a laborer. To do what? He said, no, I've got a wall to build. He said, very well, I'm ready. But one condition, I'll only take this amount. He fixes the amount. Very nominal amount. Small amount. One dirham and some portion of it. He said, very well. He puts him on the job. And the person who employed him goes away. He comes in the evening. He sees this person did like ten people's work. So he says that, look, you deserve ten times the amount. He said, look, I made a condition with you. I will only take that one dirham. I won't take one bit more. So he gives him that one dirham. The next day he comes again to look for somebody to work. He says, I hope I find this youngster. Others are sitting there looking for work. This person is not there. Where is he? He says, no, he'll only work once a day, once a week. He doesn't work more than once a week. The rest of the week he is engrossed in the ibadat of Allah Ta'ala. Once a week he'll earn whatever he earns, that is what he then takes care of his needs with it. The second week, it was the next week now, he comes, he finds this person again. This young youngster says, you ready to work again today? He says, very well, same condition. So now this person, this youngster is working and he conceals himself, hides somewhere and he's observing. What's going on here? How this person did 10 people's job last time? Now, this is something Allah Ta'ala 
sometimes makes this happen for his special servants. Those who, to the extent of the sacrifice that a person made, how much he gave for Allah Ta'ala, accordingly Allah Ta'ala deals with him. Now somebody gave up the kingdom for Allah Ta'ala, then Allah Ta'ala treats him accordingly too. And somebody is not even ready to give up, up, up his haram desires at the time of Salah. He is not even ready to give up his entertainment at the time of Salah. He is not even ready to give up his, his haram desires in, to stop him from looking at what is haram, looking at all evil and filth. He hasn't even come on that level of sacrifice yet. That is us. If we consider in our lives how many times that they are the basics of deen that are required of us, we are not ready to sacrifice things that might be little hurdles, that we call them hurdles, to make sure that we fulfill the obligations of Allah Ta'ala thoroughly, properly, give that priority. We will juggle the commands of Allah Ta'ala to fit in other things first. And let alone other things which might be work of some sort, to make sure that our entertainment doesn't get disrupted in any way. Our surfing, all kinds of surfing nowadays, surfing the internet now. And the person gets starts surfing so much he drowns in it. So now that salah gets must we haven't come on that level of sacrifice yet. And we want to have that kind of treatment from Allah Ta'ala like he treated Ibrahim bin Adham Rahmatullah who sacrificed his whole kingdom. Like he treated this youngster who sacrificed his kingdom. So it doesn't work like that. To the extent that we are ready to give for Allah Ta'ala, that is how Allah Ta'ala deals with us. We haven't yet given up haram for Allah Ta'ala. Let alone sacrifice beyond what is necessary. So in any case, this person is hiding Abu Amir Basri, his name, the person who employed him, he is hiding from behind somewhere and he is observing what is going on. So he sees that this youngster, he takes the cement, the mixture, whatever it was, and he just puts that cement onto the wall that he's building and the bricks are just coming in on their own and fitting into place. All he's doing is he's putting the cement in place. Now these bricks are coming on their own. Allah Ta'ala's unseen system had come to help him. So he observed this and realized this is somebody special. Any case that day passed, he gave him his money, he went away. After one week again he comes to look for him. He's not there. His ways is youngster, he says, no, he's not around. For the past three days, he's extremely sick in this jungle far away. And he is apparently on his last. So he tells somebody, please take me to this place. He takes him. When he comes there in a little, small little shanty hut. Now he was a person in a kingdom, in a palace. But he gave up all this for Allah Ta'ala. Because he found that anything to do with dunya was becoming... A big barrier for him. As mentioned earlier, it is not for everybody to take this kind of step. We are not of that caliber. We, Allah Ta'ala has permitted us that we enjoy the halal ni'mats, we should never touch haram. And don't let the halal ni'mats become a barrier in fulfilling the commands of Allah Ta'ala. We should not become deceived in those na'mads. Well, everything is just pouring for me, so I don't need to bother about anything. So in any case, this person comes, Abu Amir Basri, and he sees Harun Rashid's son, 
this young son is there and he's lying down with a brick under his head and he's in a state of almost unconsciousness so he makes salam then makes salam again a few times loudly finally this youngster opens his eyes and he sees him he recognizes him Amir Basri sits down and he takes his head and puts it in his lap takes that brick out the youngster says no don't do this put that brick back where it was and then he so to say is addressing himself He's talking to Abu Amir Basri and he's saying, Ya sahibi, la taghtarir bitana'umi, fadwa al-na'imu yazulu, wa iza hamalta ila al-quburi janazatan, fa'alam annaka ba'daha mahmulu. So my friend, don't become deceived with the glitter and glamour of dunya. Don't become deceived with all the comforts and luxuries. What is halal, you use it within the limits of deen, no problem. But don't become deceived in it. Don't let that become the focus of life. Don't let that become the direction of, and yet the qibla of your life. The qibla is akhirat. So, ya sahibi la taqtarir bitana'umi. The person now becomes so immersed in dunya, that deen becomes a secondary thing in his life. He becomes so immersed in dunya, that if that dunya allows him to fulfill his deeny obligations, well and good. If not, well, we'll see what happens. La taqtarir bitana'umi umru yanfad This life will suddenly go one day. One moment a person is here, the next moment he is gone. umru yanfadu yazulu And all these bounties will all one day perish. While it is earned in a halal way, by all means a person may benefit from it, but it's going to perish. One day, all this will be gone. And Allah forbid, Allah Ta'ala protect us. That it doesn't take seconds sometimes for it to, to, to go away. There's everyday happenings. And then he says, وَإِذَا حَمَلْتَ إِلَى الْقُبُورِ جَنَازَةً When you carry a janaza to the qabrsan, to the graveyard, then remember, فَعَلَمْ بِأَنَّكَ بَعْدَهَا مَحْمُولُ Today you carry somebody, remember tomorrow you're going to be carried. Today somebody else's turn, tomorrow is your turn. And tomorrow sometimes is too far. Today is our turn. So he then carried on talking in these lines. That look, don't get deceived in dunya. Dunya is a very temporary place. And while giving this kind of advice, he breathed his last. And he passed away. And before passing away, he gave some wasiyat to him. He told him, please look, when I pass away, you, whatever these belongings of mine, this little jug, etc., you give this to the person who will dig the grave as his payment. And then take care of my burial, etc. Kafan. And then, then, then this amanat, this Quran Sharif and this ring, which he didn't use. says, these two things, you take it and give it to Harun Rashid. And tell him one poor musafir, one traveler, one poor traveler has given this as a, it's an amanat that I have to present to you in your hand. And saying this, he passed away. And that's when this person realized that this is Harun Rashid's son. That is why he's saying this. That give this amanat to Harun Rashid. Because now this is inheritance. So in any case, now when he passed away, he took care of whatever the necessary things were. After burying him, he comes to Baghdad. And Harun Rashid is just leaving with his whole cavalry. 
out on some whatever work he had. And from the distance he sees Harun Rashid's him coming out on his horse. So he shouts from the distance. And he says by the kinship that you have with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, I ask you to please wait. I have something important to say. He's talking to the king. Harun Rashid hears this and he gives the instruction, stop, let this man come. He comes and he says this, I have an amanat to give you in your hand. I was instructed, I must give it in your hand. The amanat is this Quran Sharif, this ring. And one youngster who passed away, he said, must tell you one poor musafir, one poor traveler, he gave this for you. And as soon as Harun Rashid sees these items, the whole picture comes in front of him that this son of his is gone. And he is gripped in this grief. And he gives some indication to somebody that, look, take this man, I'm coming this now. And he moves on to whatever work and errand he had. And then he comes back after some time and calls for this person. Tells everybody, all leave. I need to talk to this man alone. Then he asks him, tell me how you met this person, what happened. He asks him the whole incident, the whole detail. After hearing everything, he says, you realize that he was from the, from the lineage of Rasulullah and you still took some work from him, you made him work as your laborer. So I never knew it. Had I known it, I would have never done this. Then you buried him with your own hands. Yes, I buried him with my own hands. You gave ghusl with your own hands. Yes, he takes his hand, puts it on his chest and then he starts reciting many, many couplets all speaking about how trivial this world is. How short this life is. What a deception this life is all about. And what a reality the qabr is. And how, how close the akhirat is. And after having done all this, then he now, the next day he prepares to go to the qabr of the son of his. And finally he comes there and whatever then the incident transpired, he came there and as soon as he reached there he fell unconscious. Then again came to consciousness and again started reciting couplets about this is dunya all about. One day he was dreaming that I will one day no more be around. The son of mine will take my throne. He will run the kingdom. He will do this. He will do that. He is standing at the grave of his son. This is dunya. This is life. So in any case, this we digress from the point we were discussing that Allah Ta'ala gave us this life this is a very, very temporary place we are in dunya. We are headed towards akhirat. We have to develop the strength of iman. Keep this iman alive. And that is what the purpose of these gatherings are. To stir this iman within us. So that we become practical on deen. The purpose is not just to say something, to listen to something. Then we all go on our own ways and then we wait till the next time. What is required is that for example we've discussed salah, it is for us to now sit and think about it. How much of the salah is in my life? How much of the salah with jama'ah is in my life? Nabi Wasallam once said to the sahaba that I wished, I intended that I command somebody else to go and lead the salah and then I will take a walk around to the homes. So now the salah started. So somebody is not there, it's obvious the salah has started, why is he not there? So somebody who is not dead without a valid reason. It was my intention to go and burn down their homes. But had it not been for the women and children in the homes, I would have done it too. 
Now this was a very, very emphasized way of highlighting how important the Salah with Jama'ah is. So this is what the whole object is, how, how deen, we can bring this total deen alive in us. Where we commence was this ayat of the Qur'an Sharif, it was recited in the Isha Salah, Ya ayyatuhan nafsul mutma'inna, irji'i ila rabbiki radiyatam mardiyya. That way, when a person who is passing away, but he has led his life in a way that he totally submitted himself to Allah Ta'ala. And he annihilated his desires in the command of Allah Ta'ala. He didn't live by his desires. Let alone desires of a haram nature. Deen is not even the name of fulfilling what our deeny desires are. There's something to understand. The deen is not the name of fulfilling what our deeny desires are. It's the name of fulfilling the command of Allah Ta'ala. The name of fulfilling what Rasulullah Sallallahu has told us. Now, one is the faraiz, obviously, there's no compromise on that. Everybody has to do it. But many a times a person has a desire for something. He has a desire for something which is good. person wants to, for example, now go for Nafil Hajj. Very good, mashallah. He's got that desire, it's a burning desire. He wants to go for Hajj. He's performed his first Hajj. Or oh, Hajj is not even first on him. He's got that burning desire to go for Hajj. Mashallah. What a great thing. But he's owing so much of money to people which he hasn't paid up yet. And now he's managed to collect enough to fulfill that first. He says, but this burning desire in me is to now go for Hajj. That's not Deen. If those creditors are now waiting, their money is overdue, they're asking for it, say, no, I'm going for Hajj. I'm going for some other Deeni cause. That's not Deen. Always Qarrani Rahmatullah he is living in the time that Rasulullah is present in Medina Munawwara. And he is living in Yemen, which is not so far away, people are going and coming. People are going from Yemen to Medina Munawwara, they are having the greatest opportunity of being in the company of Rasulullah becoming Sahaba. There is no other way a person can be a Sahabi. The Tabi'een, the people who followed after the Sahaba, somebody can reach any rank. But he did not have the opportunity of being in the company of Rasulullah He can never become a Sahabi. Now there are people from Yemen, they are coming in great numbers, they are coming to meet it, it Rasulullah spend time in his company. They are obviously, being in his company, they have now become Sahaba. And always Qarni Rahmatullah what desire can we say? It would have been such a burning desire within him that I also should have this opportunity. And there is no reason why he cannot do it. Everything is possible for him. He has the strength, he has the financial ability, everything is there. But what is the issue? Why is he not going there? The issue is that his mother, elderly mother, there is nobody to take care of her. He is the only person that is available to take care of her. And she is in that kind of condition that if she leaves and go, he leaves and goes, she is not going to manage. She is in need of his khidmat. And there is nobody else. 
On the one side is to go and be in the company of Rasulullah to become a Sahabi. And all the rest of the Ummah put together, all the awliya of the Ummah put together, everybody put together after the Sahaba. They all combined can't reach the rank of the lowest Sahabi. Now he has this opportunity, meaning it's possible for him to go and do this. To go and become a Sahabi. But now this is the command of Deen. This is the command of Rasulullah himself. That if your parents are in need of your khidmat and your help, then that's the priority. So now, what does he do? Does he give expression to this burning desire within his heart for such a great opportunity or fulfill the command of Deen? So he makes sabr, but he fulfills the command of Deen. What was the outcome of this? The outcome of this is that Rasulullah on one occasion says to Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu, Who is Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu? kana ba'di nabiyan lakana Umar. Nabi Islam says that had there been a Nabi after me, it would have been Umar. That rank of person. Nabi Islam says to him that look after me, there will be a person that will come from Qarn, a place in Yemen. Nabi Islam gave a good number of descriptions about him. He was a person who had suffered leprosy. But it all cleared out, there's one small bit of it left on his hand. All those distinguishing details, Nabi Islam gave us at Umar. He said he will come. He will come after I have passed away. Because by that time his mother, mother, mother would have passed away. So then he will come to Madinah Manowara. Umar, you must take his du'as. When he comes, ask him to make du'a for you. Who is being told? Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu. To take the du'as of who? Ois Qarni rahmatullah. He was not a sahabi. Why? His du'as are going to be very accepted. Why his du'as are so accepted? He didn't do what he desired. He did what the command of Din was. He did what Allah and His Rasul ﷺ commanded. What the priorities are. He didn't worry about what I want to do. He worried about what I must do. What I am supposed to be doing. What is the obligation on me now? So that gave him this rank. That Rasulullah ﷺ is saying. That you take his du'as. So this is the aspect, this is the issue what we need to now ponder about, bring into our lives, that this complete adherence to the command of Allah Taala, to the way of Rasulullah making deen the priority in our lives, making that the qibla of our lives, the akhirat of our direction, and dunya the necessity of our life. And Luqman Hakim, he said to his son, that you make an effort for the dunya, for this world, to the extent that you are going to live in this world. How much you are going to live in this world, proportionately make an effort for that. And make an effort for the hereafter in proportion to your time you are going to be in the hereafter. Now what is the comparison of the time in dunya compared to the time in akhirat? doesn't amount to anything. But look at the proportion of the effort. The proportion of the effort for dunya sometimes is 98% and maybe 2% for deen. Or 90%, 10% for deen. So this is the aspect that we need to make our whole life deen. Our business deen. So then that will become deen also. Our job occupation deen. How? That we do what we are supposed to do, or what we are doing, number one, correctly. Within the limits of shariat. We are doing it with the right intentions. Not just for the sake of 
amassing dunya for the right intentions. We are doing it in a way that itself it becomes a means of inviting others towards deen. And until and unless a person hasn't made his business, his job deen, hasn't made it dawat, it will be very hard to deal with people in that environment in a way that they become closer to Islam. Rather, he'll deal with people in a way that he will distance them away from Islam. Because dunya has become his objective. So how he can make the maximum if it means now swearing at someone and cheating somebody, he'll do whatever it takes. But if he's made that that business also dawad, he's made that deen, then he'll be ready to forego some loss. He'll be ready to just let certain things just go by the way. But if in the process he's going to become a means of somebody getting closer to deen, he'll be very happy with it. He'll regard it as a cheap bargain. That he, doesn't matter, he lost a little, but somebody came closer to deen. Very cheap bargain. So this requires a complete change of mindset. Why we are here, where we are headed to. What is our object? What are our priorities in life? What do we give preference to and what do we put in the back seat? Where is the salah and where is the rest of things? Is the salah in the back seat or is not even in the vehicle? It's outside somewhere? Then obviously we are far away from where we are supposed to be. So what this requires is that we ponder over these things, think about it, where we headed to, what is our object of life, and then we attach ourselves to the efforts of deen, so that it keeps this momentum going, it keeps our focus correct, keeps reminding us where we headed to, keeps making us conscious of the qabr, of the akhirat, keeps making us want to do everything in a way that will earn the akhirat. How we speak to somebody, that this too must earn the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. It must bring happiness to the hearts of others. In mu'min. How I speak must become a means of bringing happiness to my family, to my friends, to my neighbors. Obviously within the limits of deen. Not that I keep talking things that breaks people's hearts. How I deal must become a means of bringing people closer to deen. How I go about all my things in life. How this can happen, this requires that a person makes deen his focus, attaches himself to the efforts of deen. This is all the efforts of deen that take place, the efforts that take place in our masjids, all the different masajid, the ta'aleem that takes place, and all the various other programs that take place. Then together with that is the effort of da'wat and tabligh, the ishtima that is taking place inshallah next week. We become part of all this, we become part of the local efforts, so that we bring deen alive within ourselves first and foremost. Our own mindset comes in the right direction. Our priorities come right. And together with that, we make an effort on others as well. Allah wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.